0: So I just want to encourage you this morning, I really felt that he wants to do something so deep, he wants to do something um, so real inside of every single one of us, that I, I really believe that if you will posture your heart this morning and, and, and hear what I'm saying, not from Connor Lothar, but just hear the truth and allow it to make its home inside of you, you won't leave the same. Um, I, had, uh, I had Jesus come into my room this week. <laughs> He does he does often don't get me wrong but but he came in a way that I've never experienced before and so um I think it was Tuesday night I hardly slept and he came about three times in the night and he spoke to me about specific things and he was teaching me some stuff and it was for me and I loved it and and then uh Wednesday and Thursday were pretty busy days and stuff happens and then uh you know you're just kind of trying to stay in that place with Jesus but last night he came again um and he, uh, I went to bed about half past twelve, and then he woke me up again at about four o'clock, and he had a whole lot that he wanted me to share with you, and I love that because then I know it's not me, and I know that, that whatever I'm about to say, this is coming straight from him, um, but I, I want you to know that when I share or when I get the opportunity to have the pulpit and the microphone, I don't take it lightly, um, it's a big honor for me, I know the responsibility that comes with it. Um, But I want you not to listen to Connor this morning, not to listen to Connor Lawther. I know that outside of Jesus, I don't really have much to offer. Um, In fact, I know more than anybody else that I I have absolutely nothing to offer. And so I'm just trusting this morning that Holy Spirit would come and and say what He wants to say and use me as a vessel to share it. Um, But I want to encourage you. Some of you may have come here today because that's what you do on Sundays. Um, Some of you may have come here because it's been a rough week and you're just needing encouragement or loving. Some of you may have come here because you're passionately in love with the local church and with Jesus and you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so I don't really care why you're here, but I'm glad that you're here. And I just want to encourage you to lay everything else aside and just to open your hearts and to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to get wrecked. I'm ready to get undone. I'm ready to get flipped upside down, right side over, inside out. Touch me. Um, that's been my prayer this whole week. It's just been like, I don't care what it looks like. You can, you can completely undo me, but you gotta, you got to have all of me. Um, so that what I want to share on today is something that I believe um, will bring freedom and a level of intimacy to every single one of us with the Lord that maybe we haven't walked in or maybe we haven't experienced. Um, how many of you know that over the last year, maybe two years, we've been preaching a lot about transformation? How many people know? You've been listening? Yeah, awesome. Um, and we've been, we've been hitting that hard because that's the gospel. Um, the gospel is that Jesus comes, makes his home inside of us, and he changes us completely. There's nothing similar about the life we live now than the, the way we used to live. There, there has to be a change. That's what salvation is. And so we've been preaching that hard, and I'd encourage you to, to go and listen to those sermons and, and fill yourself with that stuff. But I've realized we have to be so careful that we don't make transformation the standard that we're trying to achieve. Are you with me? Some of you might be in a place where you feel frustration because you kind of, you know what what you've experienced, you've had that encounter with God, and you see truth the way it should be, and you know that that's what you should be living in, but when you look at your day-to-day life, you just kind of see this disconnect, and so suddenly you find yourself in a place of frustration, trying to get towards transformation, trying to live in something that you know is yours but you don't have, and really what you've done is you've put yourself back under the law, and it's not a, a... a heavy thing, but it's something that you've got to be aware of because when you put yourself in that place, frustration only comes from guilt. Frustration comes from guilt, from shame, and from condemnation. Frustration comes from you knowing that something should be happening that you can affect, that you can change, and it's not. And so you feel frustrated that you're stuck in this place. And so I started to just pray about that and say, Lord, because for me, you know, I'm one of those guys that I, I, I try to be all in. I just want to, I want to be 100% you know I don't want to be half, I don't want to be three quarters. I want the whole thing, and every time I try, I don't seem to get there. I don't know how many of you feel the same way, but it's like you you want it a hundred percent and you give everything and you're trying, and you just you, you just don't even get close right And I've realized that often if you're trying you're probably doing it in your own strength, and you've missed the whole point of the gospel. here's what I want to lay the foundation with um, this morning, and then we'll we'll go from there. Transformation is not a standard that you're trying to get to or trying to achieve. It's not a a standard that you're trying to live by. Transformation is the finished work of the cross that he's put inside of us. It's a standard that he's become. It's your starting point. Now, for some of you, that might make absolutely no sense right now, and that's okay, because I'm gonna unpack that, but here's the shift. If I realize that my default has to change in the gospel, then my whole life changes. Often what happens is the default, the the natural response of our lives hasn't changed. And so you have this encounter with God and you get super excited about it and you're really pumped and then a day later or maybe 20 minutes later you make a mistake or you kick the dog or you shout at your wife or you shout at your kids or you do something that you know isn't in the nature of God and suddenly you're like, but I just, I thought I just had that experience. I thought I'd... I thought I was in relationship with the Lord. I thought I was changed. Why am I acting the way that I do? And then what happens is, because we know what truth is, suddenly we get frustrated and we're going, I need to figure out what's wrong. I need to figure out what's stopping me from staying in that place. What's stopping me from living in that place. Anybody, is this relevant to anybody? How many people have been in that place where you know that's truth and you find yourself in this place of going, I I, I feel like I'm 50% there, 50% not. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, Maybe it's just me, but I'm like, I'm one of those guys that just wants to be radical. I just want the whole thing, I want this thing to be like Jesus, right? And so I find myself in that place where you're frustrated, and you're constantly in this place of I've got it, I don't have it, I've got it, I don't have it, and it gets exhausting and you don't actually go anywhere because you take one step forward and two steps back, and one step forward and two steps back, and so you're actually moving backwards. And I just, I really felt like for a lot of Christians today, that's where most of us are at. And we don't, we struggle to walk in intimacy and relationship with Jesus because we're constantly trying to fix ourselves. And we've forgotten that the gospel is actually that he's fixed you already. We talk about transformation, but we don't talk too much about being transformed. Like uh, Graham would say, it's the transformed part that we don't get, which is that he did it at the cross, so transformation is a, is a product, it's a, it's a result of intimacy with Jesus. So here's what we gotta understand. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He dealt with everything. He, he finished the work that you could never finish. He achieved the standard that you'd never achieve so that that would become your foundation to your life, your starting point. Whether you practically uh, and, and in your day-to-day life get there or not, that is where you start. And so how many of you know that you have a, Heavenly position and you have an earthly condition. I am very much aware of that. <laughs> You've got a heavenly position which says you are righteous, blameless, perfect, transformed, sanctified, exactly like Jesus. And, and if it was just in this little space, everything we would do would be like Jesus, right? But then how many of you know that we still live on this planet and we still have these stupid tents that we live in and there's a whole lot of stuff that society throws at us and we have this mind that we've got to constantly try and you know, renew and keep this thing submitted to Jesus. And so sometimes you look at this space and it's not quite adding up to that one. How many people know what I'm talking about? So I've realized that if you live in this place and you're constantly trying to, to get this thing to line up with that thing, It'll never work. But when you start in the freedom that this gives you, when you start from the freedom that your heavenly position gives you, meaning that it doesn't matter what I've done, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what's happened to me, what situation I just faced, if I kicked the dog, didn't kick the dog, whatever it is, I am completely holy, blameless, righteous, perfect, covered in the blood, just like Jesus. And it's, you know, everywhere that I go, that's what I take, If you start there, there is a freedom in that, that when you take it into your earthly condition, meaning your day-to-day life, the things that you've gotta do, that's when transformation begins to take place. We can't operate from here trying to access your heavenly position. You've gotta understand that you've got it all here and that from this place, you're beginning to release that. And as this thing is coming into line with that, you begin to see freedom expressed in your life. Does this make sense? I'm just trying to lay a basic foundation here to help us understand this. We've gotta be careful we've got to be careful with using the word Christian so loosely. Um, We as a bunch of believers, as Christians, it means something. It means to look like Jesus. The reason why they called the church at Antioch Christians was because they kind of looked like the guy that they killed. And so when we call ourselves Christians, what we are saying is I look like Jesus. Problem is, most of us look at our lives and go, I'm not sure I can say that. And the reason for that is because we're starting on the wrong foot. We're starting on the back foot. We've got to start here. So, everybody understand this. Let's go into what I really want to talk about. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So I wanna talk about something really simple that sometimes affects the way that we commune with God, sometimes affects the way that we um, have relationship with him and sometimes if this is where you're at, you'll have a relationship that's mountain to valley. You'll have great times with God, then you'll have times where you're like, where is God, what's going on? I don't know where he is, is he even real? Then two days later, you're back on the mountain of the Lord, woohoo, glory, clouds, and then you're back in the, and this is how we live our lives, majority of Christians, right? And I wanna say something that that I believe is what's causing all of that and I wanna set us free from it this morning. If you violate your conscience, you shipwreck your faith. Everybody hear what I said? If you violate your conscience, you shipwreck your faith. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't accept him, you didn't invite him, you didn't sign a little card, you didn't, maybe you did all those things, but uh, that's not actually what you were doing. When you decided in that moment that Jesus could have everything, you gave him your whole life. Guess what he did when that happened? There was this beautiful exchange where he took your nature, he gave you his, he took your mindsets, your ways of thinking, he gave you his, he covered you in his own blood, and he gave you a good conscience. Do you understand that? If the, the starting point to our lives is the blood of Jesus, then we understand that, that the foundation, the default to my life is a good conscience, a conscience that lives to please God, to serve God, right? Here's the thing. When you live with a good conscience and every single day you live from that place knowing that I'm alive to serve God and this thing is submitted to my spirit because it's, it's um, facilitating everything that God's doing within me. But if you live there, you're an incredible, powerful, radical believer because you begin to do things that are incredible. That's what God's called you to do. Problem is most of us allow the lies and the the little, um, the junk that the devil throws at us, we allow it to take root and it violates the conscience. And as it violates the conscience, it shipwrecks your faith. What do I mean by that? It affects the perspective that you live by. And so what happens is you make that little mistake and instead of going back to the finished work of the cross, instead of realizing that my default is if I slip up and if I make a mistake, I come back to here and I go, thank you, Jesus, that I'm covered in the blood, that I'm blameless, that I'm pure, that I'm holy in you because of the ultimate price that he paid. If I start there, I win. But most of us don't go here. So we make a mistake and suddenly we allow that thing to take root and now we're wrestling with the fact that I should be there and here is where I am and people are looking at me and I'm calling myself a Christian and what the heck and now, why do I even try, I should just actually back off. And so suddenly Christians begin to shrink back and you see churches that are okay with attendance but they don't wanna get involved. They don't wanna risk, they don't wanna step out, they don't wanna do the stuff that the Bible says we should do because they're stuck here. Are you hearing me? And the reason we're stuck is because we allow the lie of the enemy to come and, and take root here. And then we believe it and we act on it and we make a mistake and we allow it to actually eat our lunch. And then we're wondering why we're stuck in this place. And then, you know, after six hours of prayer, you kind of feel like you've dragged yourself back halfway here and you can feel slightly refreshed by truth, but you're still realizing that you're so guilty and condemned about your stupid mistake. And you live in this place of, I call it, it's the, the tension between desire and pursuit. What do I mean by that? There is, a, there is a desire inside of every single one of you to live in what God's called you to do. But there has to be a translation. There has to be a, you have to go from this place of desiring him to, be, to pursue him. And if you don't make that, that move, if you don't make that change, you, you stay stuck in between where you've got this desire. But because you keep making mistakes, you feel like you haven't quite got there and you're only pursuing him a little bit and you haven't gone all in. And so you, there's this tension between desire and pursuit. Does this making sense? So if you violate your conscience, what do I mean by that? If you allow the devil to violate the good conscience that Jesus Christ gave you, it affects your perspective that you live by, and it it, it changes not the way that God sees you or the way that God relates with you. It affects the way that you relate with Him. Because suddenly your perspective of Him has changed, and your perspective of God affects the way that you hear Him. So if you suddenly feel like you've disappointed Him, or not even that, sometimes you just feel like you've disappointed yourself because you think you should be better than that, it's called self-righteousness. We get stuck in this place of trying to fix ourselves. When Jesus said that, I had to pay the ultimate price to stop that. So what am I saying? Let's go and read a scripture quickly. Are you guys okay? Let's go. Hebrews chapter nine, um, from verse thirteen. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a, I don't know how you say that, heifer, 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 sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Did you read that one? So he's saying this ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid, he, he shed his blood. That blood is—it's perfect. You, there's nothing wrong with it. How much more is that? If the blood and if the blood of bulls and goats were supposed to try and you know, cover our stupid sins in the flesh, how much more will the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, cleanse our conscience from dead works, dead works, stupid stuff that's not of Jesus, stupid stuff that we do, the mistakes that we make, the wrong thinking patterns, the expression of the wrong identity, that stuff all is dead and finished and put away because He's cleansed us of it with His blood. That is the standard default from where you operate. You cannot operate from anywhere else. When you wake up in the morning, that's what you've got to understand, that the blood of Jesus has cleansed your conscience, that you are covered in the blood, that your thoughts are now His thoughts, that He has complete dominion over your mind. Because your spirit every single day is super, super keen and super excited to do what God's called us to do. How many of you know that? You just need 15 minutes with God and you can feel inside of you, you're pumping, you're raring to go but it's getting this thing out the way and realizing that when this is submitted to Jesus, when, do you know what it means to have the mind of Christ? It simply means to have a mind in submission to Jesus. It means that it's not what, what do I think about it, it's what are your thoughts about it? And so when we live in submission, that's when we have the authority to actually live in what God's called us to do. Go to um, Hebrews 10. We'll read from verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Ha. I love how nowhere in there does it talk about it's dependent on whether you're, you make the cut. It's dependent on whether you kicked the dog or didn't kick the dog or whether you made a mistake or not. See, when you live like this, church, when you understand that your default has changed and your default has become the blood of Jesus, if you make a mistake, it pushes you into the more of God, not into less. So th- this is so key. Hear what I'm saying? Because this, this right now, if you catch this, it'll change your life forever. This is an extraordinary life of intimacy with Jesus. Why? Because you just can't get out of it. (laughs) It's the best news you could possibly hear. It's like he loves you so much that he just dealt with all your screw ups so that they don't actually have a say to who you are anymore so that you can actually live in oneness with him so that you can actually become the yes. So here's the thing. If I understand that this is who I am, that my heavenly position, that defines me. Nothing else. That is who I am. If that's the default, if that's my starting point in any situation, if, and not when, if, there is a place in God where you won't make mistakes. Leave that one. If you fall. If you make the mistake in this journey of knowing him more, of growing and of learning and of, of maturing in Jesus, if you fall, your default is to go back to the finished work of the cross and to to realize and to to recognize who you are and understand that ah, oh, that was dumb. But guess what? It means that I go violently even more into what he's called me to, so that I'd never have to look back at that stupid mistake again and it never has a say and never gets a chance to eat my lunch. The lunch is mine. And I'm pretty hungry, I didn't have breakfast. <laughs> are, you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Guess what that means for us? It means that we can only get brighter. It means that we can only go from glory to glory. It means that you can never go back. Guess what else it means? You can never stay in the same place. If you're in the same place, or if you're going backwards, it's probably because you're stuck in the wrong covenant. Oh, come on, man, this changes everything. I don't know about you, but when Jesus told me this last night, I'm like, this is the bomb. This is awesome. Why? Because I'm going from glory to glory. Guess what? It doesn't matter what I do, what mistake I make. I never have to make the same mistake again, because if I go back to who I am in Him, He sets me on fire, and that thing gets consumed in the glory of God, and I go into the more of Him. Come on. This is the gospel, man. Do you know how exciting that is to think that even in my moment of weakness, He's so strong that my weakness does not even have a say to what He's called me to do next? What we've got to be aware of is if we live our lives this way, and we begin to to run into the more of God, you begin to see Christians that actually look like Christ. Because we begin to make the mistakes less and less because the more I have of him, the less this stuff even, I don't even think about it anymore. Why do we put the emphasis on something that he took the emphasis off? Are you hearing me? You know, when we're counseling and helping people and, and, and trying to help them through situations and whatever, the worst thing you can do is talk to them about the problem. Are you with me? I don't know about you, I, I, I've i got a testimony and a half and I believe that I don't have to share it because I don't want to give glory to that crap, <laughs> come on, that was junk, I'm a brand new person in Jesus and I don't have to go into all of that stuff, I'm, I was lost and now I'm found, but I have a story, right, I have a story and I remember I went through a period where I had to go to, a, um, sorry if anyone got offended with the word C-A-R-A-P in Australia, it's totally fine and I was there for two months and that's where I picked it up, so I apologize, in South Africa it can be a bit of a... Um, but also get over yourselves. So, so, (laughs) So I went to a psychologist and I had six sessions with one of the top psychologists in South Africa. And he was brilliant. I mean, this oak broke the situation down, helped me understand stuff, brought clarity to everything. He was fantastic. One problem, there was only one thing that happened to me in those six sessions. I realized and accepted that I was a victim. And I came out of six intense psychology sessions just realizing that I'm a victim and I'm stuck. That's what I'm gonna have to live with. So don't worry, it's not your fault that it happened to you. But unfortunately, now that it has happened, you're gonna have to learn to deal with it. That is psychology for you. So I came out of that and and I, I remember something in my heart was going, this can't be it. What's the point then? My heart was going, if I'm going to be stuck in this for the rest of my life, what's the point? Take me home. Just get get me out of here. There's no point. But this is where we've missed it. We've got to understand that the gospel is not psychological. It's supernatural, which means there's a regeneration. There's a recreating. And only when we live in this place do we experience that becoming our reality. You know, on my door, people laugh at me when they come into my door. I wrote something on my door like, years ago I said let the reality of the no let the perspective of the gospel be your reality today I wrote it on my door so when I wake up and I'm gonna get leave the door that's what's screaming at me because if the perspective of the gospel is my reality I can never be stuck in something that I was never created to be in the only thing that God is asking you to do is to give up the one thing you were never created to be that's pretty easy right here's the problem if we've given it up, why do we give so much time to everything that's associated with it? Oh, man, this this Tuesday night, this is what God was talking to me about. He was saying, it is impossible to have the kind of relationship you want to have with me without giving me the time. And so he's the kind of God that can take, you know, he gives you three hours of sleep and you got to, deal with the next day. But in that, I'd rather have all those hours with Him of intimacy and knowing Him and growing in Him. And and what's amazing is that He gives you the energy to actually get through the, the rest of the day. I mean, I know uh, incredible people of God who would rather sacrifice sleep and have time with Jesus. So if life gets too busy, I'd rather just have less sleep, more time with Him. Whether that's yours or not, God can speak to you about that. But here's the thing, right? We give so much time to stuff that is associated with an old way of living. It's the wrong identity. But we still give majority of our time to this thing and then we expect to live in the identity we've been given. Is this making sense? Are you hearing me? Do you realize that what you give your time to is what you prioritize? How many of you, and you would have to put your hands up, this is just a question that I ask myself. How many of you get, find yourself in a place where you're so caught up in, in the stuff And it's always things that seem totally justified to be in your life. They seem like the right thing to do at this time. And you get caught up in all that thing. Eventually, when you get time with God, it takes you like half an hour to actually get to the place of realizing that He wants to talk to me. Because it's like, God, I just feel... I feel so terrible that I've been stuck in all this junk and I know that I shouldn't be there and I know that I should be here but I'm stuck in between the two and my heart's there but I'm still here and and so eventually 30 minutes into your prayer time, you're just getting back to realizing that oh, he loves me and I'm covered in the blood and thank God. I don't know about you guys, I've been there and it sucks and the reason why we experience that is because it hasn't become the default in our lives. When it becomes the default in our lives, I'm so aware of him all the time because he has full occupancy of, is that a word, occupancy? He has full occupancy of my life. There's no space for anything else. If I have to get involved in something that's in the world's systems, it's because he's asked me to go there and to actually represent him. Ah. So now, and I've preached this before and I'm not gonna go down this road, but I'll just share this. So now your job is not just something that that helps you provide for your family. Now your job is not something that you just do to pay the bills. Now it's become a sphere of influence because I live from here, and so when I come into this environment, it's to bring heaven with me. If we understand that The blood of Jesus has cleansed our conscience. Our heart has been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. Do you know, can I tell you why this is my favorite scripture? Because purity has nothing to do with what you've done or what you're going to do. Purity has to do with the pure water of heaven that washes over you when you give yourself to Jesus. And you can live in that place 24-7. But guess what? You can also, you can choose to come here and eat with the pigs. you can choose to come here and eat of the pigs. <laughs> so here's a little, a little story. This is what I, it's, a, it's funny, and A.W. Tozer shared this, and I think it's very, very funny. But he said, this is the state of the church. He says, how many, how many of you know uh, the pro- story of the prodigal son? Right. So the son, you know, leaves home, uh, takes all his stuff, says I don't want nothing to do with the father, and he goes off and he lives this crazy life, and long story short, he ends up, in the pigs, home, eating with the pigs, smelling like the pigs, acting like the pigs. Uh, soon enough, he's actually walking around like a pig, making pig noises, right? Because he's taken on the identity of a pig. How many? Yeah, okay. So this is what happens, right? This is what happens when we don't allow the gospel to actually rock our worlds. Suddenly, this dude and all his other prodigal mates that are all stuck in eating like pigs and living the rat race of life and doing all the stuff that seems right to do but has nothing to do with Jesus, we all... Doing this thing, and suddenly an evangelist comes along and says, uh, Guys, I gotta tell you the best news. Your father loves you, he wants you back. He's paid the ultimate price for you to come back and live with him. You no longer have to live with the pigs, you can feast at the table of kings. And everyone goes, Woohoo! Awesome news! That's so exciting. Let's get together and build a church here in the pigsty, and let's talk about how awesome the father is because he's paid the ultimate price for us to go and feast at the table of kings. He's put the. He wants to put the ring back on our finger and put the robe on us, but we're still stuck in the pigsty, eating pig food, acting like pigs. And then we worthy is the Lord. So we come into church and we tick a box and we sing, "Worthy is the Lamb." We don't even know the Lamb, and we're still stuck in this rat race and we're still living like rats. When God's actually called us to be sons and daughters in his house, in his kingdom, to live in another realm, in another dimension, another way of life, a new perspective, a new way of thinking. Which means you're going to look absolutely different to everybody else. Does it mean you're not going to make mistakes? No. I just told us about that now. But if you do and when you do, when the, the situation happens, you go back into him and you get brighter. So there's a difference because I make mistakes here and I just keep getting worse and worse and worse and I'm stuck in guilt, shame and condemnation and the only way to fix it is to drink or do drugs or lose myself in my job or beat my wife or abuse my kids. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we get stuck here and it gets worse and worse and worse. But when I look at the believers, they're not these high and mighty hypocrites but they're very real people that have been touched by a real God that are getting brighter and brighter every day because they're living in a new identity. And when I look at them, I see my created value, my created purpose. That is a powerful, dynamic church of people where it's a safe place for people to come and grow. 24-7 church should be a safe place for sinners and, and, and people that are stuck in addiction and stuck in a whole lot of stuff to come here to experience the gospel and to grow into Him. Because we're not sinners saved by grace. We were at a moment in time. And after that, we became saints, sons and daughters. And I saw somebody else, somebody else put something up. They said, uh, we're struggling saints. I think it was on on an Instagram thing or something. I was going like, how can we be, this is stupid. Yeah, what is that? So here's the thing, right? You're only struggling if you're outside of him. When you're in Him, the default is Jesus, and He changes you day to day to day. Right? New scriptures. Let's let's move on. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Hebrews chapter ten, verse. 14, I think. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you want to know what the word sanctified means? So I heard people talk about sanctification my whole life. And every time I asked what it meant, I got the same answer. And it's set apart, holy, I'm like, that sounds so awesome and I love it, but what does that even mean? Set apart and holy. I'm like, it's awesome, but I just, how does it? And so I went and did a study on sanctification. Do you know what it it really, really means? I'm not saying it doesn't mean that, but this is what it really, really means. It means for something to operate according to its original purpose and design. So guess what Jesus is saying here? (laughs) Ha ha. For by a single offering, the blood of Jesus, He has perfected. So every single one of you that have given your life to Jesus are perfect. I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty happy because I'm very aware that I'm, I'm not perfect in myself. So in Him, He's calling me perfect. Sounds like somewhere I'd like to live. For, a, for, a single, for by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So, most of us get confused because it's like, okay, you said I'm perfect and now you're saying I'm still in this process of being sanctified. So how does this thing work? So here's what I wanna encourage you with. You are absolutely perfect in the blood of Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees himself. And as a church, when we look at each other, that's what we should be seeing. Because love holds no record of wrong. Exactly. So, so we get to look at each other with that lens. But here's what's so beautiful. While I'm here on the earth, I'm being sanctified, which means I'm beginning to operate according to my original purpose and my original design, predestined before the foundations of the world. He called me to be a son. He called you to be a daughter before the foundations of the world. And he had a design and a purpose for you. He had a way of life for you to live in. And we lost that thing. But now because he's restored it, we are perfect in him. He paid the ultimate price. He dealt with everything to bring us to that place. So that we can begin this expression of God on the earth while we're here for the amount of years that we live. Whether it's one or whether it's 80 While you're here on the earth, you get to express the heart of God by every single day becoming more and more like Him because you're slowly but surely every single day coming back to your original purpose and your original design. And so you're starting to look different more and more every day. I'm not afraid of the mess of the journey because He's not afraid of it. He wouldn't call me perfect if it was still dependent on my journey. He's called me perfect because I'm perfect. He loves me. He's got a little dandelion and he's picking the flowers off. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. I love him, I love him, I love him. There is such freedom when you realize the extraordinary life of intimacy with Jesus. See, the Christian life has become hard for a lot of people. And the reason it's become hard is because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And even under the message of grace, we have taken a message and we have made it our religion. And, and you see that by being a group of people that are discussion orientated. And when it comes to time to demonstrate the gospel, we just, it's not happening. It's not flowing. It's not natural. Come on. It's because we've taken a message and we've made it a religion just like everybody else. Jesus is saying, don't take grace. Don't take the message of grace. Don't take the message of the gospel and make it a religion. Encounter the person of Jesus Christ who is grace and let him change you and transform you. Have a relationship with him. You're only going to change as you know him. You're only going to change as you begin to hear his voice more and more and more. You're only going to be sanctified as you begin to allow him to direct you and lead you and guide you and shape you and mold you. And guess what? That requires time. That requires you getting alone with God and letting Him begin to shape and mold. And you're just the clay. You don't have a say. Hmm. I'm, I'm a boat and I don't even know it. Oof. Is this, how many of you are hearing what I'm saying this morning? Because I just, I felt, and this is such a simple, simple little word, but what I felt is, that I, there's so many of us that are still stuck in just trying to get the foundation stuff right, and that's why we feel like we struggle to get on with the rest. We know that God's called us to do all this amazing stuff as a local church, but, but individually, we're still just actually trying to realize that He wants to talk to me every day. I'm just struggling to find the time just to, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm, this is where most of us are at. I've realized that... Um, When I said yes to Jesus and he came and filled me, made his home in me, made me perfect, made me righteous, gave me that free gift and became a yes within me. I said no to a lot of stuff in that moment that that I wasn't made aware of. And so now when I'm telling people about Jesus, I'm choosing to make them very aware of what they're about to do. Because in you saying yes to him and allowing him to, to occupy your life and to invade your life and to take complete control of your vessel you are saying no to a whole bunch of other stuff. Problem is, most of us have got saved in an understanding that you can just take Jesus and plug him into your life along with everything else. And so it's, you don't even have to say no to anything. You just say yes to a million different things. I believe that today, if every single one of us would just allow Holy Spirit to come and to just bring such revelation and understanding uh, into our hearts and to realize that this is, the, this is the foundation that he wants us to live from, If we live in the perfection of the blood of Jesus, then every single day we grow more and more uh, into the image of Christ in in our expression of Him. Does that make sense? Today you have a choice. You can listen to what I'm saying and you can be encouraged and stirred, and you can walk out this door and maybe for the next two hours you're quite excited about it. But you wake up tomorrow morning and you realize that you've got a list of things to do and everything goes back to normal. You have a choice to do that or you have a choice To say, I am not moving until you wreck me, undo me, change everything, remove every mindset, cleanse my conscience from dead work so that I can truly live to serve you. So that when I wake up tomorrow morning, the first thing that I'm aware of is the blood of Jesus that covers me. The call of God in my life to be a son, to be a daughter, and to manifest heaven everywhere that I go. But the whole thing comes from intimacy, which means that my highest priority in the day is to have time with him. It doesn't mean that you have to cut three hours out of your job day and go and sit in a little park or something. It means that you're aware of him. It means that everything that you do, he's involved in it. You're talking to him. You know, people say, I struggle to hear the voice of God. Probably because there's about a billion other voices talking at the same time. When we learn to get still and quiet and learn to hear him and learn that that he speaks the language of the Spirit, which means I have to learn how to speak, that I have to learn to get into the Spirit. I have to learn to live in the Spirit. When that begins to happen, I hear. I mean, there's moments for me where it's as if somebody's talking to me loudly, like like as if Courtney was talking to me. And there's other moments where it's a whisper in my spirit, but he's talking all the time. And we've got to be aware of that. If we're defined by his voice, we're going to be an incredible, beautiful, radiant people that shine in every sphere of influence. You know, one of the things I felt um, in just chatting to Graham and as we were preparing um, for the weekend, I just felt like, in the in the Western, we live in Africa, so I don't know why I'm saying Western. But in the the city environment, <laughs> Zara got the joke. Thanks, Zara. In the in the city environment, and 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 with all the the fancy stuff that we live in, we just we just miss the whole thing. We get so caught up, and I, and I've said this before. We get so caught up in the stuff that seems justified. It, it's it's. It really does. How many of you know that you, you, I, I guarantee now if I sat with all of you, you would tell me that your time is not filled with stuff that shouldn't be there. You, you'd, you'd look at your day-to-day life and say, majority of the stuff that I'm doing, I got to do it. Right? It's stuff that, that I, I, Connor, I'm not sure if I can say no to that. Hello, guys, that is the, that's the perfect strategy. That's the perfect plan of the enemy to keep you away from intimacy with Jesus, or to keep it limited to a place where you only get an hour and the only thing that you do is every day that you come and spend that hour, you just try and get yourself back to a place of realizing that He actually loves you. And so you're fighting every day just to live in something that he paid for 2,000 years ago. And he's saying, can we move on from that? Can we grow? Can we mature as a body? Can we go into what God's called us to do? Let's not get stuck in the silly things that are keeping us bound. Let's not ask the silly questions. Let's begin to burn for Jesus. And the whole thing comes from knowing him, comes from knowing his voice, not knowing about him. Everybody, I mean, majority of people know about him aside from the 2.8 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. But most people know about Him. But the difference is that when you know Him, you look like Him. Hmm. So what does this mean for us? I've run out of notes, so I'm just... Yeah, somebody else want to come and share? I'm finished. <laughs> uh, my, my heart, every time I get the opportunity to share, um, I process this thing of realizing that in this room right now, there'll be people who will hear what I'm saying, not just me, but will hear what, what God's saying, and get excited about it, kind of feel good about it, and go back to living the way that they were. And every time I process and I pray with the Lord and I say, God, first and foremost, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to be somebody that can preach a message and go back and living in a way that that I was. I want to be going forward and growing, you know, from strength to strength, glory to glory in what He's called me to do. But my heart breaks to think that, that we're hearing truth, we're hearing life, we're hearing the gospel, but we're not allowing it to change our lives. I don't know if we understand what that means. Change our lives. It's not a gospel that comes and makes the existing life that you have better. It's a life that changes. It's brand new. It gets rid of all of the old stuff and brings in a completely new way of living. It's the new and living way. And that might mean radical decisions. You know, I I was listening to a guy, and he said, um, You know, he's talking about the rich young ruler and that whole thing about prosperity. And he said, you know, I'm not asking all of you to go and sell all your possessions, but I'm certainly not ruling that out. And um, my heart is that are we a group of believers that would do that? Are we a group of believers that are so fixed and focused on the heart of God that I'm prepared to make radical decisions? Whether he asked me to or not, if he were to do it in a second time, in a a second time, I'd be able to do it. I'd be able to say yes because he's become the yes within me. Are we so caught up in, in living the lives that we've built for ourselves, that we're missing the life that he paid for us to live in? Do you realize that there is nothing stopping you? There is nothing that can separate you. There is nothing that can hinder you other than yourself. From walking in what God's called you to do, there is only one thing, and it's yourself. So get over yourself. Put put it to death. Go to Romans six. I'll end with that. Romans chapter six. Um, uh, so, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to go and read this chapter and just unpack this thing, because I love Romans chapter 6. It's one of my favorites. But I'm just going to read from verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Oh, did you just hear that? Let not sin, what does it say? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Not your passions, its passions. Oh my goodness. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What does this mean? What this means is that the posture of your heart is that I understand that this wrong identity, this false identity, this stuff that tries to speak and define me, it's, it has no power, no dominion over me. And the way that I live my life is that I present myself to him as one who has been brought from death to life. That's this identity that we've been talking about the whole time. I, I live postured in a place of presenting myself to him as one who has been brought from death to life. Everything that, was, was, that made me who I was before Jesus is dead, buried, finished. It was crucified with him, buried with him, and it has no voice anymore. It might echo something from the past, but if I, if I allow that thing to speak to me, if I allow an echo to become a voice, then I get stuck, but it doesn't have a voice. So I'm brought from death to life. That's the, the foundation of this whole thing. But then the second part is that I present my, my vessel, my body, my, my uh, members as instruments for righteousness. Do you know what? Another translation says weapons for righteousness, weapons of righteousness. So the second part is i've come from death to life i know who i am and now i present myself to god as a weapon for righteousness what does that mean it means that i'm a weapon in his hand for him to do what he wants to do for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish and that is the most exciting place to be and that's when you see crippled people who have been crippled for 20 years get up and walk when you know that you have nothing to offer them but suddenly he begins to do this kind of stuff that's when you begin to cast out demons It's when you begin to walk into the workplace and you've got words of knowledge for people and the guy's trying to get you to sign the business deal but you're so focused on on him because he's eternal and at the end it's kind of like, I forgot about the business deal, let's actually do that. Mm. Every single one of you right now sitting in this room and there's there's a sincere desire in your heart to live what I'm talking. Right? If you take just these simple little things that I've shared this morning, if you realize that you can, you can stop the devil from violating your conscience and shipwrecking your faith just by simple little acts of obedience, simple little heart postures, presenting yourself to him in righteousness, realizing that you're a weapon in his hand. And when the lie comes, if you're so full of him that you know that's foreign. The only way that you're going to know the stranger's voice is foreign if you understand this, is if you understand the shepherd's voice. When you know the shepherd's voice, that voice is very foreign. Guess how you know the shepherd's voice? By actually listening to him and spending time with him and allowing his voice to become familiar. This is what God wants to do in every single one of you this morning. God wants to bring you into freedom. This is how you reign in life. This is how you you live the, the crucified life. A life that's dead to yourself but so alive to God that you change everyone around you. And it can start with your kids and your family. Don't make the junk in your life God. He paid a very high price for you, and there's nothing stopping you from walking in that other than this stupid thing between your ears. Put it to death, submit it, bring it into submission to Jesus, and walk into what He's called us to do. This is where I'm at. This is what I want to do. This is what God's doing in my heart, and I'm not afraid of mistakes. I want to encourage you with that. I'm not afraid of mistakes. I'm not afraid of, of the process and the mess and the journey, because it pushes me into more of God. Do I want to make mistakes? No, I don't want to make mistakes. And I I trust Holy Spirit to keep me better than my own strength. That's a good place to live in. Shall we stand?